0: We have three readings this morning from Romans, Genesis, and Hebrews. From Romans 4, Abraham was, humanly humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover of being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. And from Genesis 15. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, What good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliza of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as a righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. And from Hebrews... It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised to, had promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and old. She believed that God would keep his promise, And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. May the Lord bless this reading.
1: Now a man arrived in heaven and he was met at the Pearly Gates by St. Peter, who consults his book and tells the man that his sins weigh almost evenly against his righteousness, and the angel's having a bit of a hard time deciding whether to let him into heaven. Listen, says St Peter, tell me of a selfless act you performed to convince me that you are truly good. So the man says, well, I was driving across the state one time, and I saw a group of bikers dragging a screaming woman off-road away from her car. I pulled over and ran to them, shouting to let her go. Well, that certainly was brave, says St. Peter. When did you do that? About five minutes ago. That's a nice story. Well, it's actually not so nice. But it illustrates what we often think. That if I'm good, if I do good stuff, I'll end up in heaven. Although not necessarily as a direct result of the good deed, like that man. Over the last few weeks, we've heard Paul setting out his explanation of how everybody can be made righteous, how they can be set before God, and that it's not to do with doing good deeds, or being good, or following the Jewish law, even though these aren't wrong things in themselves. Paul's really upsetting the apple cart, and especially for the people from the Jewish background, So he needs to justify what he said. He needs to ground his points so that the Jewish Christians can accept them. And he does this in the established Jewish manner and the way that we do as Christians as well, by appealing to scripture. So in our verses today, Romans 4, 1 to 3, Paul starts off by looking at Abraham. Now, why Abraham, you might think. Well, firstly because he is our fourth forefather. The Jews, the Christians and the Muslims all see Abraham as our sort of spiritual ancestor, the one we should follow in the footsteps of. God promised Abraham that he would become the father of all nations. Abraham bowed with his face to the ground and God said, I promise that you will be the father of many nations. That's why I now change your name from Abram to Abraham. I will give you lots of descendants, and in the future they will become great nations. Some of them will even be kings. I will always keep the promise I have made to you and your descendants, because I am your God and their God. As we'll see later in chapter 4, Paul sees this promise played out through Christ that now non-jews that's most of us can be part of that privileged family and can be made right with god and this is because as genesis 15:6 records abraham was declared right before god by god solely on the basis of his belief his faith in god this was before the law even existed before god had asked that abraham and all his male dependents should be circumcised and it's not to do with anything that abraham actually did now this is good for news for us because i'm sure our men folk would prefer not to be circumcised but going against what most of the jewish people believed about abraham and his righteousness before god and that that was going against the thing that it was tended to be based on Abraham's obedience. So we see this belief in Sirach, one of the Deuterocanonical canonical books. Abraham was the great father of a multitude of nations, and no one has been found like him in glory. He kept the law of the Most High and entered into a covenant with him. He certified the covenant in his flesh, and when he was tested, he proved faithful. James in the New Testament also draws on this belief. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? But Paul says no, no. The justification happened when he believed that God would fulfill his promises. And we read that in Genesis 15. Um, Paul refers to what Abraham found, what he discovered. And that's a belief that was around in the the Jewish people, that Abraham was the first person to discover God as the one true creator God. So the first century Jewish historian Josephus says this, he was a person of great sagacity, not very sure how to say that word, both for understanding all things and persuading his hearers, and not mistaken in his opinions, for which reason he began to have higher notions of virtue than others had, and he determined to renew and to change the opinion all men happened to have then concerning God. For he was the first that ventured to publish this notion, that there was but one God, the creator of the universe, and that as to other gods, if they contributed anything to the happiness of men, that each of them afforded it only according to his appointment and not by their own power. Abraham was a really good Jew and a really good person, says Paul. So good that if he could be judged or justified by his works, by what he did, then he really did have something to boast about. But there's a but. But not before God. God's criteria are not the same as ours. What we think ought to make you right before God, what gets you into heaven, isn't necessarily what does. And God's the one who wins out, as Jesus is recorded saying in Luke's gospel. My friends, don't be afraid of people. They can kill you, but after that, there is nothing else they can do. God is the one you must fear. Not only can he take your life, but he can throw you into hell. God is certainly the one you should fear. So we, talking about general society, we often think that if we're good, if we're kind to other people, if we give to charity, if we don't hurt anyone or commit murder, although I fell on that one quite badly with white-tailed spiders, I have to say. If we live a pretty moral life, if we do good stuff, we deserve heaven. God has a different set of standards and it's all about our attitude to him. That makes sense if we remember that he is the maker of the universe, the almighty God. Basically, all the good doing in the world isn't going to help you if you don't believe in God. And this, not earning our entrance into God's good books, also has a knock-on effect on our character, as Alistair touched on last week. If we do lots of good stuff, if we tick off the boxes of obeying the law or the advice given throughout the Bible, we can so easily start boasting aloud or just to ourselves. We can start feeling good about ourselves, getting ourselves mired in big-headedness and pride. Being a music student many years ago now, I saw a lot of that. You've got some students who practised like absolute crazy, but they were too good to mix with the rest of us who practised a lot, but we were just okay. And often it's not even getting big-headed. It's just getting overconfident in our own abilities and complacent about our God-given wisdom. So easily we can lose our dependency on God and forget to pray and forget to ask for wisdom and guidance. And as elders, that's something we constantly have to be working on. Look at how many Christian leaders have gone rogue because they've been doing a great job. They've been seeing loads of people coming to Christ and their churches swell, and then bit by bit, they see how well they're doing, they receive lots of praise, and then they slip away from that dependence on God until they fall completely. In contrast, Operation Mobilization is a mission organization which has a couple of ships that go around the world doing evangelism with teams of volunteers. And they have a policy of getting the volunteers, not the professional sailors you'll be pleased to know, to work outside of their strengths and giftings so that they have to rely on God. Abraham was rich and successful He's recorded talking with God, worshipping him, says he built lots of altars. He had times of really great faith. And judging from the way he's been venerated since then, he had lots to feel confident about. But, says Paul, look at what was said about Abraham in Genesis 15, 6. It's not about what he did it was nothing that he could get big headed or complacent or self reliant about. It was simply believing that God is who he says he is, that he will do what he has promised. And that's what got Abraham, and therefore us, in God's good books. Not being rich and successful and praying a lot. Well, praying a lot, yeah. Um, not the, all these things that he could do, obeying the law. And the language here is used from accountancy. Um, that his faith was entered into the accounts book. It was credited or reckoned as righteousness. I was thinking it's a bit like trying to immigrate to New Zealand, not that I've ever done that. To get considered, you have to fulfill certain criteria. For instance, to get a skilled worker visa, you must prove your identity, you must be of good character, and good health, be under 56 years old and be able to speak good English, and your employment and your work experience must be skilled. I had a neighbour who was from China, and one of the main reasons he wanted to get residency here was so that he could sponsor his retired mother to move here. And from what he said, her only criteria was that he could support her. So likewise, God did all the work for Abraham. All that was left for him to do was to believe. And so it is according to Paul's arguments around these verses for us. Now the Greek word pistis means both belief and faith. It's a deep, real and trusting belief that means our actions, our living of life arises out of that belief. He didn't just believe that God existed or even that God is who he says he is. He trusted God to do what he said he would. So um, in James, James is arguing that our faith will be displayed in our actions. And he says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. There's a bit more to faith than just thinking God exists. And it's the faith that we see displayed in this woman from Matthew's Gospel. A woman who had been bleeding for 12 years came up behind Jesus and barely touched his clothes. She had said to herself, if I can just touch his clothes, I will get well. Jesus turned. He saw the woman and said, don't worry, you are now well because of your faith. And at that moment, she was healed. Now, another reason why Abraham is a good role model for us is his less than perfect life. We can get despondent because of the reality, because the reality of our faith as Christians is that it can waver. Sometimes we're on fire and we're remembering just how great and omnipotent and loving God is, and the next moment we're feeling that God just wants the worst for us or he's just left us to struggle through alone. And often we just can't understand what it's all about. Like, for instance, the Ukrainian conflict. An example of our less-than-perfect faith is this umbrella story, which I got from a a website called A Time to Love. As a drought continued for what seemed like an eternity, a small community of farmers was in a quandary as to what to do. Rain was important to keep their crops healthy and sustain the townspeople way of life. As the problem became more acute, a local pastor called a prayer meeting to ask for rain. Many people arrived at the church to pray for the needed rain. The pastor greeted most of them as they filed in. As he walked to the front of the church to officially begin the meeting, he noticed most people were chatting across the aisles and socializing with friends. When he reached the front, His thoughts were on quieting the attendees and starting the meeting. His eyes scanned the crowd as he asked for quiet. Then he noticed an 11-year-old girl sitting quietly in the front row. Her face was beaming with excitement. Next to her, open and ready for use, was a very colourful and extremely large umbrella, much bigger than her, in fact. The little girl's beauty and innocence made the pastor smile as he realized how much faith she possessed. No one else in the congregation had brought an umbrella. All came to pray for rain, but the little girl had come expecting God to answer. Abraham has retained his status for thousands of years as the person whose faith was credited to him as righteousness is someone whose faith in God was strong enough to last him through life and beyond. He is held up to Jews, Christians and Muslims as a paragon of faithfulness to God. But if he really were perfect, he would have something to boast about and he would also be God. Instead, Genesis portrays Abraham as a normal person like us. His life was a mixture of totally trusting God and of trying to do things according to his own ideas and strengths, of following worldly wisdom instead of asking God for his, of doubting, of challenging, and then of following God blindly. And ours is pretty similar, I'd say. Looking at Abraham's life, which you can do by reading a good wad of um, Genesis there, um, we can be encouraged that God knows how fallible we humans are. That's why we need to have righteousness credited to us, because we're pretty hopeless at achieving it otherwise. So to conclude, Abraham is a role model for how we're made right with God, and not because he did lots of good stuff, not because he obeyed God's guidance for what to do, to do life right, not because he did anything worth boasting about, but because he believed in and had faith in God. God knows what us humans are like. He created us, remember. And he's allowed for it in his salvation plan. If we have believed, if we have the underlying faith, our faith is still credited to, credited to us as righteousness. Let's just pray. Lord God, we thank you for this amazing work you do in crediting our faith as righteousness, in taking our belief in you and making it matter. We thank you for the example we have in Abraham, who was just a normal person with good and bad points, who made mistakes in time of weak faith and did great things in moments of great faith. And yet you still took that faith and credited it to his account as righteousness, something he could never achieve on his own. And We thank you, Lord, that you hold out the same olive branch to us.